You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now. So get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lord. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 24, Enter Sandmen, or Revenge of the Eye Boogers, whichever you prefer. My name, <laughs> I am as always one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my companion through podcasting time and space, we have Paul Gann. <laughs> you have something just there in the corner of your eye. And it's carnivorous. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, Paul? Oh, dude, it's going. Oh, man. Yeah, life can be interesting. Life can be interesting. <laughs> and so is this episode. <laughs> it, it toes the line of really creepy and, like, cheesy 50s horror, you know, horror movie. And... I don't know. We'll, we'll get into the episode in a minute, but before we it, do that... It has a very classic Doctor vibe to it as it, well. It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but before we get into that, um, we want to just remind everybody that we are members of the Thunderquack Podcast Network, and Thunderquack is running a Patreon campaign contest thing. <laughs> In an effort to get some more Patreon supporters, and for those who don't know what that is, Patreon is a way that listeners of the network and the network's many podcasts, of which I will go over in a minute, uh, can help to financially support the podcast. It helps to pay for all the websites uh, and the various costs that go to maintaining our feeds and all that. In addition to, if we get enough uh, support, upgrading our equipment and that sort of thing. And in sort of a pledge drive fashion, we've got an awesome uh, prize reward for people who support. But real quick, just if you're curious to know what other shows are on Thunderquack uh, that you might be interested in, and if you, as you consider supporting, in addition to Talking Time Lords, which of course we all know you love because uh, you're listening to us right now, we have we're a, awesome. Uh, right, right. <laughs> the only podcast capable of traveling in time and space. <laughs> Period. Um, <laughs> there's also the XX Files podcast, uh, all about the show The X Files, obviously. Double X Files. The Double X Files, whatever you want to call it. 
you know, XX, double X. That, that it's it's a play on the whole double X chromosome thing. Gotcha. Because it's hosted by girls. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> there is 8 Bits of Destiny, which is uh, this podcast about video games, art, and and the art and culture of that. Uh, there's the Pullbox podcast, which is all about comics, and they discuss, I believe it's three different comics every episode, and I think it's a monthly podcast, and uh, it varies from episode to episode what they cover. Uh, well, they actually have a different setup now. You can do a Patreon subscription, and you can get the entire uh, full-length podcast all in one chunk at the beginning of the month, or you can not patreon and get it in little chunks and pieces all scattered out throughout the month oh. so yeah there you go more patreon incentive yeah. um there is also a couple of star wars podcasts star wars the saga continues uh which kyle avery who was a guest on one of our recent episodes uh is a host of uh this talks about the news the upcoming news and information about the new star wars movies battlefront mm-hmm. uh and all that sort of thing. And then there is the Rebels podcast, which is all about the Star Wars TV series Rebels, which is a fantastic little animated series, I must say. Exactly. Uh, then, of course, one of the flagship podcasts of Thunder Quack is Quiver, the Green Arrow podcast, uh, hosted by Michael Cohen. And, oh goodness, she's going to kill me for forgetting her name. I'm clicking on <laughs> it right now. It is Amanda Conkin. Oh my gosh. Forgive me, Amanda. I apologize for forgiving <laughs> your name. As well as archived episodes of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, all about the Star Wars animated series Clone Wars. Right. Now. Let's not forget Super Panel Brothers. Oh, yeah. Super Panel Brothers. Yeah. This yeah. is another reason why we need you to become a Patreon. Support it. Yes. Super Panel Brothers has, uh, which is a, just a general geek show, has one show out talking about... Ghostbusters, and once we hit a certain support limit uh, on Patreon, they will be releasing more episodes. Now, here is why you should support us before the end of the year, because we have an awesome contest that anyone who supports pay, uh, Thunderquack at patreon.com slash thunderquack at the $1 or above uh, level, valid to anyone, anywhere... Uh, is a opportunity to be entered to win an awesome prize pack. There is only one winner, and it will be announced on December 18th during our uh, The Force Awakens spoiler cast roundtable that is on YouTube. And if you are a Patreon, you do get ex- exclusive access to those live YouTube roundtables uh, where various hosts from the various shows gather to talk about. a a variety of different topics in December obviously it will be all about The Force Awakens the new Star Wars movie coming out everybody else has to look it up later but you get to watch it live exactly and so the winner will be announced on that show so you have to you know be a Patreon supporter at least uh, the day before at the $1 or above and there is a series of four different prizes that the winner will receive and we are announcing one of those prizes each week in the lead-up to this. Uh, this week, we are announcing the fact that uh, one of the prizes will be a $25 Amazon gift card. 
So that's pretty cool. Uh, I know I would like it. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> Thunderquack, quote unquote, employees are not eligible. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> Paul and I are not eligible to win. So we will we'll remind you about this at the end of the show. But if you are interested in supporting the network, uh, there's a little incentive for you for our end of the year Patreon push. We will not talk about this excessively, but we will mention it all up uh, in the lead up to the announcement of the winner. Um, because we have three more weeks worth of prizes uh, that the one winner will receive uh, to go. So, and I'm sure if you are interested in supporting and interested to seeing what you could win, you would want us to tell you about that. So, but enough about that. Spoilers. Paul, we had a rather interesting episode this weekend of Doctor Who. Yeah. And I can tell you, I, I for one, have seen a whole... <laughs> variety of reactions to this episode i've watched it i've watched it twice and listened to it once already so yeah i still don't know exactly how i feel about it i listened to it over my headphones at work so it is a bizarre episode (laughs) and i'm not entirely sure ultimately how i feel about it yet so maybe i'll figure that out as we talk but well there uh, are a couple of unexplained things in it Yes, which we'll get to those as we go. We'll get to that, but we wanted to know what you guys thought about this, and we actually got quite a few responses. This is our most responses, I think, ever to you guys telling us how you think feel about the the shows. So because you guys are awesome, yeah. So thank you for that. <laughs> Before we give our thoughts on this, we're going to give yours uh, on Facebook. Roman David De Silva left us this comment. He says. I'm watching Sleep No More over and over again, trying to figure out whether or not I like it. <laughs> kind of like me. I'm just not a fan of the found footage thing. I hated the Blair Witch Project, Cloverfield, and the entire Paranormal Activity franchise. Not scary at all. And every horror movie that has been shot with cheap, shaky cam cinematography. At least with Doctor Who, the premise for the footage even existing like, makes a lot more sense. Doctor Who can always be counted on to do something right where so many have messed up before. But that's not what's on my mind. And he gives us a sort of a theory about the upcoming show as well. So uh, he says, Am I the only one that looked at the preview for Face the Raven and thought that this is a leftover episode that did not get shown last season? The Doctor's hair and clothes are from last season. Not that I mind. I love that look. Not only I not only want to see Riggsy again, but I'm hoping that he's Clara's replacement. But it looks like the next episode is an adventure that didn't get shown last year for some reason. Uh, what do you think about that? Is it, you know, I know we're getting into next episode already, but just real quick, do you think it looks like a, a leftover? I, I went back and looked at some of the photos and things like that, and the stuff that I'm seeing, I don't get that vibe. Um, no. 
And I think especially no. with the the fact that we're getting Maisie Williams returning. No, I do notice that he's going back to wearing the the collared white shirt and and whatnot, uh, and that kind of calls back to last season. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and he's not wearing the hoodie, right? But the coat looks different to me, um, and he still has more of the uh, John Pertwee type haircut. Yeah, no, I, I'm not getting that vibe. I mean, I could see where he's coming from, mm-hmm. but I'm not getting that vibe, especially definitely with uh, the fact that Maisie Williams is coming back for it. It definitely seems like it's just a continuation from something. If I'm not mistaken, I think season. he's got a velvet coat on. This may be where we get uh, that velvet coat that I was really liking in the promotional materials. I, I couldn't tell because the, the coloring was so dark. I couldn't tell if it was a black velvet coat or if it was the dark burgundy. Mm-hmm. But it kind of looks like crushed velvet to me. At least to a certain extent. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We've got less than a week as of now to find out. Uh, but we had a couple more responses about Sleep No More. Martin Nigren, and I hope I pronounced that name correctly. Uh, Martin or Martine, I don't know. Uh, he says, ah, Revenge of the Eye Boogers. Hey, that's where <laughs> I got that. Uh, I, couldn't, I thought I heard that somewhere. It was from you. Uh, what a pleasurable ride that was. Tightly directed and written with some solid performances. Hey, Capaldi and Coleman can't go to 11 every episode. The ending kind of dragged it down a, a bit, but overall I really liked it. Love the show, guys. Keep up the awesome. Peace, Martin from Sweden. Well, thank you, Martin. Ifran Haider Malik. Ifran, as again, says, wow, dark. Uh, simple, yet poignant. And uh, Ramona Schnitger, I hope I pronounced that correctly, says, I'm seeing a lot of complaints from peeps who didn't catch the ending, uh, that it was just a story to keep us hanging off the edge of our, edges of our seats while wide-eyed and curious. We were spoon-fed the Sandman program, that was that little tickle in the brain. We were warned not to watch. We should have listened. <laughs> so. <laughs> and now, Paul, <laughs> your overall thoughts before we get into the details of this episode. Okay. I'm not a big hater on found footage stuff. I think it has its place... I think that if it's done well, it works. Of course, I'm also the, the person who, back in the day, uh, ended up going to watch the Blair Witch Project before it was uh, confirmed not to be real. And uh, so I, I went into this thing by myself, watched it alone in the dark, and had no idea whether this was supposed to be legit or not. You know, because that wow. was when that was when the hype was, you know, going around that it was supposed to be real and everything. And uh, not that I, you know, tend to be overly gullible. It was just it was realistic enough at the time that it could have been legit, you know. But right. um, I think if it's done well, that it has a place. And and I think that the way they pulled it off in this was more suited for this episode than it would have been for a lot of the other episodes that they could have tried to do it with. I generally am not too much of, of a fan of found footage because I hate shaky cam. Mm-hmm. I really am not a fan of shaky cam. I like to see what's going on, you know, 
I don't need to be in the face of everybody, which this is one of the things that I'm starting to get a little bit annoyed with, with some of the superhero movies mm-hmm. and some of these action movies is you are just so close in on it and the camera is whipping around and shaking with every blow that you can never actually see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm a little annoyed by that. But this found footage, while it did have its shaky moments, was much more steady than yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, I noticed that too. It, it didn't which, seem jarring like some yeah, of them are. Which I appreciate. <clears throat> so that, that's, it definitely hit the right balance for me in that regard. Mm-hmm. Now the story itself is what I'm still not sure <laughs> about what I think about it. Um, so why don't we, we jump into this? Gosh. It just sort of starts. Yeah. The episode. It just sort of starts. There's no preamble, really. Well, there's a preamble. Gagan Rasmussen, who is the lead researcher <laughs> on the Le Verrier space station in orbit around Neptune, um, says that this is the story of what's happened here. And he's pie- pieced it together from footage from helmet cams and security footage and that sort of thing. And he's telling us this story about the disaster that happened. And he's warned us at the beginning, don't watch it. Don't watch this video. Which, of course, makes everyone want to watch the video, right? (laughs) (laughs) You can never unsee this. Right. (laughs) But something has happened. Le Verrier space station has gone dark. And there is a rescue mission being sent in from Triton, which is one of Jupiter's moons. And there is this thing called Morpheus, right? Yes, Morpheus. Which is a a sleep machine that basically condenses all your sleep for the month into five minutes. So that you can be productive all the time. And we'll get more about that you know, more into that later, but, uh, everyone on, on the team, except one person use Morpheus. One person he's called a rip short for rip Van Winkle, by the way, because he actually (laughs) likes to sleep normally. Right. And is absolutely opposed to this, but that's neither here nor there. Now, the interesting thing about this is it's all from the view of the crew. And, you know, the security cameras, so to speak. And they come in, and there's nobody there. There's not a sound. Power is down. Well, then there is a sound. And it's the doctor and Clara talking about space restaurants. Yeah. (laughs) If you're taking me to a space restaurant... No, just because it's in space and future, it doesn't mean it's a space restaurant. Don't call it space restaurants or space... I don't remember what Ali says. Uh, Space restaurants, space hats. Uh, What about space suits? (laughs) (laughs) Being the smart Alex she is. Of course, the Doctor and Clara get you know, shanghaied into this rescue mission because they're not supposed to be there. Yeah. You, they, they, you they noticed up... that too, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're not supposed to be there. And, oh. uh, so they're sort of shanghaied into the, the rescue mission just to keep them out of the way, basically. 
and they they make it to the lab where they start examining no first first they run into the the monster right before they make it to the lab am i correct yes there's some sort of monster out there and it seems to be uh impervious to the the weapons that they have and so they all take off down the hall now did you notice something and I think this was the doctor's way of manipulating the situation. Uh, you know how he and Clara are always ended up getting separated. Right. Yeah. You know, he reaches out. He says, take my hand. And she says, I'm okay. And he says, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think he did that just to keep them from becoming separated. I, I don't think he was legitimately terrified at that. Not moment. okay. I think he yeah. was just telling her what he needed to tell her in order to get her to do what he wanted her to do. Right. You Which, know. it worked. <laughs> she didn't get separated. But one of the rescue party did. Yeah. So, he's still out there at this point, though. What was he's... what was his name? Deep, uh... Uh, bah, 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 uh... Deep Ando. Yeah, Deep Ando. What a name. Yeah. They're, they're all Indo-Japanese. So, yeah. Did you hear the explanation on that one? <laughs> yeah, the great catastrophe, sort of mushed Japan and India into one. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. No big deal. Anyway, it sounds kind of dis- destructive to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clara goes, "Oh, okay. Wait, what catastrophe? You have a lot to look forward to." <laughs> Oh, I was almost expecting him to say spoilers, (laughs) (laughs) but he didn't. Oh, man. His last two incarnations would have. (laughs) Yes. True. (laughs) And if River was there, she would have. Yeah. But she wasn't. (laughs) But they get chased by these monsters. They hide in the lab and are able to lock themselves in after basically um, uh, taking the arm off of one of them by slamming the door on it, and the arm of the monster turns into dust. 474 did that. Yes, 474, the grunt. We haven't even talked about 474. No, you want to talk about 474? 474, uh, basically the... Well, at least for this episode, basically the equivalent of a clone trooper from Star Wars. Essentially. Um, the difference being that they're not created with quite as high of an intelligence level and uh, tend to be a bit more childlike and uh, apparently are grown to full adulthood more rapidly, if I had to, to guess. Yeah, they're bred to be the soldiers, yeah. and yes, bred is the proper term. They are can basically just built to be human tanks. Yeah, they're super strong, and all of their brain function is designed for combat and not um, intelligence. Yeah. So, but this he, particular he one has taken a fancy to one of the crewmen's. The other crew member is named Chopra. Yeah. Um, who is the the Rip, the Rip Van Winkle of the group? Yeah. 
And the commander of the group is Nagata, and she is a no-nonsense, you know, kind of standard... Little cocky. ...commander in these sort of situations. I mean, the, the again, we come across one of these, you know, little military teams that the Doctor runs across, and, the, yeah, there's little interesting things about them, but, again, they're kind of just a little cookie-cutter in some respects. Well, the doctor says there's only four of you, and she says something to the effect of cutbacks, you know. Uh, right. So, <laughs> only four of you in the rescue party, well, cutbacks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so Deep Ando is, is off somewhere in the station by himself. The rest of them have locked themselves in the lab where there are these Morpheus machines, which are the, the sleep machines that we mentioned earlier. The design of these things is very classic Doctor, by the way. Uh, yes, it is. Very classic Doctor. And it looks like a giant metal casket. The shape a... of them is very classic Doctor, though. Yeah. With maybe, a little window. Maybe around, the f I'd say, maybe the fifth Doctor period. Something like that. Yeah. I would say that's it. Definitely harkens back to the. It harkens back to the technology styles seen during the Fifth Doctor period of the classic series. See, uh, that's but, one of the things that I'm really appreciating about the Capaldi run is the fact that they're using things in these stories that look like things we would have seen in Classic Who, so you visually get that tie-in. Uh, to make it to where things look more cohesive with the classic series. Mm -hmm. And according to uh, Wikipedia, not not the TARDIS wiki, but Wikipedia uh, description of this episode, uh, the catastrophe mm -hmm. mentioned by the Doctor uh, is referring to uh, something that happened during uh, the fifth doctor's run in an episode called oh. uh, frontios um i have to watch that, that was now. mentioned so and i won't tell you what the catastrophe was if you're really curious you can look it up for yourself uh, <laughs> like i said it's on wikipedia not the tardis wiki jason's uh, giving me more homework <laughs> <laughs> you've probably but, already watched it haven't you <laughs> it's been a while but yes um <laughs> And, it, and that's not something that was seen in that episode, but mentioned in that episode. So, just saying. But, okay. the catastrophe has been referenced before in Doctor Who. And your point about the technology seeming very Fifth Doctor is right on target because it was... The catastrophe was first mentioned during a Fifth Doctor storyline. So, there you go. <laughs> In the 38th century, by the way, this is where this is taking place. I don't know if we said that or not. Um, we did not. While the Doctor is getting very annoyed with the song that the Morpheus machine is playing, uh, which is Mr. Sandman by the Cordettes. I believe it's the Cordettes. Which is was originally recorded in 1954, for those who are curious. Yeah, it starts playing for like the third time, and he's like... Oh, not this again, you know? No, no, none of that. And he, he takes the recording out. Um, but he starts to try and determine what these monsters are, what they're made out of. Oh, we forgot something. What did we forget? Clara got sucked into one of these things. Yeah, she did. 
<laughs> we never actually saw how it happened on screen, but she told us that it reached out and grabbed her. Yeah. So because the POV that we were following when it happened had looked away from the Morpheus pod. Right. The interesting thing, and we'll get into why this is in, in a minute, but it is only after Clara is sucked into the Morpheus machine and spit back out that we start seeing things from her POV. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because she doesn't have a helmet cam. No. See, I didn't pick up on that at first. I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't either. Now, this is where, you know, if you're paying close attention, this is where you start going, wait, what? You know. <laughs> but I wasn't at first. So, um... <laughs> I, I caught it the second time around, but that's because I had seen it before. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now... He has determined that the the dust that he has collected from the arm of this creature that is stalking the station is made up of a lot of very human elements, you know, skin. Hmm? Organic. Yes, organic elements, uh, you know, skin, that sort of thing. Blood cells. Blood cells. It was, yeah, very organic. Mucus membrane, he said. Mm -hmm. So. So, yeah, they're going, hmm, this is interesting. Now, Mr. Rasmussen, who has been narrating along and interrupting the found footage the entire time, is discovered in the second Morpheus pod in the lab. And it turns out he is the creator of Morpheus. And 474 is the one that said, this pod's not empty. Right. (laughs) 474 is the one who discovered this. Pretty smart for someone who's supposed to be stupid. But but I've noticed he's, that they, he's a weird character. I've noticed they tend to use that a lot in Doctor Who. Uh, they take characters that are supposed to be one way and kind of, you know, use them in a way to counter or go against what they're believed to be. Right. You know. Now... This is interesting. It's a weird, it's a weird episode because it's very difficult to, you know, follow if I'm trying to to tell it back to you. Especially the way that it's filmed. Right, especially the way that it's filmed. <laughs> so if you hear me pausing and trying to figure out what I'm, what's coming next, it's because it really is difficult. Deep Ando, however, ends up trapped uh, because the door won't open for him the door that he's trying to escape oh, this, into this part reminded me of 2001 a space odyssey <laughs> where the computer in the ship will not mm. let him back through the door oh. yeah because it's sentient it, it gave me a little bit of a creep vibe you know yeah well the computer system that controls the doors in the space station has been reprogrammed and uh, <laughs> in order to open the door, you have to sing the Mr. Sandman song. It is amusing. You must sing the song. What song? You know the song. <laughs> no, I right. don't know the song. Of course you know the song. Everyone knows the song. You know. <laughs> right. And I'm going, 
Yeah, kind of making the skin crawl right now. Meanwhile, the monsters. <laughs> meanwhile, is the monsters are are, you know, working yeah. their way down the hall. And, and and the the anxiety level keeps going up, up, up and up, up and up. up. It's like, oh, okay. And I'm, I'm thinking this guy's gonna die before this door opens. <laughs> well, the door does open. He bursts into a uh, closet, basically. And he thinks he's safe, but he turns back around and there's one of these monsters right there behind him. In the room with him. In the room with him. And it cuts away because his feet is, is, is severed. And yeah, he's dead. Very dead. Very dead. So it cuts back to Rasmussen, who sort of gives this very sad sigh about the whole situation. He was the first to go, you know. <laughs> Thanks. Um, he's a weirdy. What did you think? Okay, now that we've found him in the actual story, mm-hmm. and we've cut back to him repeatedly as he's narrating this, which, by the way, we did not get a title sequence no. for this episode. We didn't get the theme song. It was really interesting the way that they did that because all these numbers and letters come garbled across the screen and it Matrix. almost looks like a crossword puzzle mm-hmm. and you get one vertical line and one horizontal line where you faintly can see where it says Doctor Who. Right. You know. <laughs> right. So what did you think of Rasmussen? Because he's the only, I think, I feel like he's really one of the only very interesting characters other than the Doctor and Clara in this episode. (sighs) I honestly did not like him from the jump. Yeah. Uh, He's a bit off. Because, okay, I'm not going to say that the very first time you see him you get this vibe. But probably by the second time he pops back up, you're getting this vibe off of him like he's odd. You know, like there's something not quite right about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked at it as more of him being untrustworthy, I guess, to a certain extent. You know, I just couldn't put my finger on why. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that was one of the things about this episode that made it a little bit more unsettling is you couldn't really put your finger on why you didn't like him. Right. You know, there was just something off about him. Right. And now I'm remembering why, again, it was hard to try and figure out where we were and what comes next is because during this period after Deep Ando is killed, he says, that's the last of the footage I have for a while. We have to skip forward a bit mm-hmm. before I have any more footage. And he cuts back into it looks like the lab door has been forced open. Sandmen, which, well, that's what they get named later on, these creatures, have entered the room. Yeah. Clara, Clara names them Sandman, well, and the doctor's like, who called him that? Well, I called him that. You don't get to name the creatures. I get to name the creatures. 
Or what are you going to call them? Dustmen? <laughs> Sandman's good. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but we cut into the middle of a chaotic situation. The gravity shields have failed. The station is falling into Neptune. There's Sandman all over the lab. One of them gobbles Rasmussen up alive. Or at least it looks like it does. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> well, well, we'll talk about that later. And Well, the reason I say it looks like it does is because the way things are shifting around, you really can't 100% tell what happened to him. Mm-hmm. You know, when it touched him. The Sandmen are starting to disintegrate because of the, the gravity shield failing and the, just the G-force that they're reaching. And the Doctor manages to restore the gravity fields and he and Clara and Nagata lock themselves in a kitchen freezer while Chopra and 474 try to make it back to the rescue ship. Yeah. They get split up again. Which is probably the worst thing that could have happened is for them to get separated again. Of course. Yeah, but, you know, it's got horror elements, and that's the thing that happens in a horror movie is you split up. And well, that's, that's one of the things I was going to say. This had elements in it that reminded me not only of, like, 2001, but it had elements in it that reminded me of, like, Aliens, uh, as well as some other uh, different franchise movies and stuff. You know, the, it it wasn't like a direct callback to any of that. It was just there was little bits and pieces that had similarities to all these other different things. Right. You know. Right. Visually? Well, not only visually, but in, in tone as well. Okay. You know. Yeah. Now, one quick thing. Uh, the Doctor does not approve of the Morpheus machines from the get-go because... He calls them an abomination. Yeah, which uh, deeply offends Rasmussen. But now that Rasmussen is no longer there, and they're all separated, we get into a little bit of some explanation of what's going on. The Doctor has deduced, at this point, during the break in time, which is somewhat convenient, (laughs) that these Sandman monsters are actually made up of the sleep that forms in the corner of your eye when you're sleeping and are generated from the Morpheus machines. And so, like we've said before, it's Revenge of the Eye Boogers. I've got a little bit of speculation on that later, but we'll get to that. Okay. One, weird. (laughs) Two, yeah. What? <laughs> what, <laughs> what did you think when we find out that these sand monsters that gobble you up are made out of eye goop? It's like, okay, what innocuous thing that's natural to you can we turn into well, a terrifying monster? I know, eye boogers. <laughs> Did a three-year-old come up with that? I don't know, no. but it was... No, well, Mark Gaddis can't act like a three-year-old, but no, I'm kidding. Um, 
but it was i mean well i i think in 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 a way it almost feels organic that this is supposed to be a story about uh sleep and sleep deprivation and the violation of sleep right and so one of the things that you associate with sleep organically is you know the the matter that accumulates in your eye and whatnot and well speaking of organically you know it it has become an organism now Uh, right so it has somehow generated into life of some sort Uh, blind life we discover it cannot actually see yeah and and, and until we've gone a little further in the story i don't want to speculate on any of that but uh... okay okay but it is during this point in the freezer where the doctor makes an interesting discovery he manages to hack into the CCTV system with his Sonic Shades, or Sonic Specs, as he called them last episode. Or what he um, believes to be the CCTV system. Yeah. Which consists <laughs> of the helmet cams and the security cameras. Except. Except <laughs> Nagata says they don't have helmet cams. Yeah. And then he takes a closer look and goes, there's no cameras anywhere. Yeah. And then, wait, look, Clara, this is your point of view. Yeah. <laughs> and then it catches up live, and it's looking through her eyes, looking at him, pointing to the projection that his sonic shades are putting on the wall. Every time that another little tiny revelation like this comes up in the story, it gives me more of a creep factor. Yeah. Because something isn't right. And the doctor theorizes that whatever visual uh, senses that the Sandmen may have had have been scattered around the station in order to track them. Hijacked, basically. Hijacked. Yeah, Yeah. that's the word he used. You're right. Um, Hijacked to keep track of them and to be stored somewhere by someone. Okay, see, now, when, when they started talking about this it started giving me uh, an impression that maybe these things might have a bit of a hive mind. Hmm. Um, I I know we didn't really get that in depth into that in the story, but when you start looking at the fact that all these things are linked through their visual interface or whatever, it kind of it almost makes you feel like that they probably are linked in more than one way right um and the only people that it cannot link through are people who have not been in the morpheus machine so chopra we have nothing from his point of view right and nothing from the doctor's point of view and the only time like i mentioned earlier that we get anything from clara's point of view is after she's been sucked into the morpheus machine right so it has something to do with the Morpheus machine. Well, uh, I know that they, well, we haven't gotten that far in the story yet. Let's go. Right. Okay. <laughs> so the doctor, Clara and Nagata have to sneak out of the, the kitchen freezer when the Sandman start tracking them there. This is where we discover they're blind mm-hmm. uh, because they're sort of just walking through and feeling their way around and listening for, uh, the doctor and 
Clara. And it, got it's it. not clarified as to whether or not they can sense heat or not, but we know that because they're in a freezer, that wouldn't matter anyway. Right. So, so the doctor, Clara Nagata, book it out of the freezer and lock the couple of Sandmen in there, although it won't last long. Meanwhile, Chopra and 474 are trying to make it back to the rescue ship. They cross, you know, uh, they come across a part of the station that was damaged when the gravity shields failed. There's fire everywhere. Yeah. Chopra can't get through. 474 knocks him out and gets him across somehow. Just as those things are coming up to grab them. Just as the Sandmen are coming after them. Uh, it it injures 474 enough to the fact to, to the point where he's not going to be able to make it back to the ship. And so using the, the butt of his damaged rifle, he holds them off while Chopra hurries on to the rescue ship where he finds that something has been delivered to the ship. Uh, another Morpheus pod. Yeah. There's already one mm -hmm. on board that the crew had been using, but there's a second one that has been delivered. Yeah, I have a little bit of speculation about that, too. But we'll, okay, we'll, I'm sure you do. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> and unfortunately, the pod was occupied by a Sandman, and uh, Chopra is no longer with us. So we are down to the Doctor, Clara, and Nagata left. Mm -hmm. And they're on their way back to the ship because the doctor thinks he knows who's behind it. Do you want to get into this? Since it seems like you have a theory and a speculation about all this and you've been sitting on it for a while. Well, first of all, let's uh, tell everybody who they run back into. Well, yeah, they get on, on board the, the rescue ship and lo and behold, Rasmussen himself is there. Although we already kind of got the idea that that he's, you know, been alive. It's kind of funny still because the, he's still telling the story yeah, in a past tense of, sort of way. It's kind of funny because right after he's supposed to have died, he pops back up as the narrator and goes, "Oh, I'm not dead, by the way. I guess you figured that out." Right. You know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah. Right, because he keeps narrating in a past tense. Hmm. Interesting. Which, that made him even less trustworthy in my, my mind. The interesting about the interesting thing about this, and I don't know if you picked it up, but I picked it up on my second watch-through of this episode, is as the Doctor, Clara, and Nagata enter the rescue ship, mm -hmm. they can hear Rasmussen. And he's recording the first part of the video that we saw at the beginning of the episode. I don't know if you picked up on that, but I didn't pick up on that until my second watch through. I did not. Yeah. I did not. It's very faint coming th through the bulkhead. You know, this is where the doctor starts, you know, yelling for him to show himself and all that fun stuff. And he appears when the, the bulkhead door closes, um, you know, from behind it. So, yeah. Well, now, but I interrupted you, so uh, he, you have a he also explains that the Morpheus machine changes the brain chemistry and everything of the person in it to uh, basically recalibrate their body 
to only need sleep once a month. And so that also has something to do with the Sandman. But this is the point where he starts admitting that he has, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, had communications with the Sandman, and that he has come to see things from their point of view. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, see, now this is the point where I started changing the way that I saw things. Okay. Um, because at this point in the story, I'm starting to think he created these things on purpose. Mm. Sort of like Davros. And the Daleks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, interesting. And so I'm thinking that they were not just created by eye boogers per se, but they were he he used pre existing uh matter, I guess you would say, that was obtained from humans to be able to bring these things to life and hmm. I, that's that's just my speculation uh, and i'm thinking that 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 was part of his experimentation that was going on while he was working on the morpheus program that maybe sort of started out as a bit of a side effect but then he continued to play with it and massage it and turn mm -hmm. it into another life form so do you think that the Sandmen on the station could be the station's crew? That's kind of what I'm thinking. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> well, I, now, I, I have other reasons for thinking that as well, but we'll get to that when we start talking about the end of the episode. Okay, okay. Uh, now, of course, the Doctor... Uh, wants to put a stop to all of this. He he says that he can reverse the the process on Clara and Nagata well, once they get back on the TARDIS. He and says that he can. He says he the, can. The question is, can he really? Right. Um, and then he also wants to get rid of all the Morpheus machines on Triton because that's where they're being used primarily. Now, of course, he has to get through Rasmussen and his Sandman on the rescue ship and we do to have do to that. keep in mind that the the uh, Morpheus machines that are on the station are not the same as the Morpheus machines that are on Titan right uh, because he, is... he has modified them and made them into what the doctor calls the mark II version mm -hmm. uh, of the Morpheus machine uh, so that that is a, a important point to remember because what's going on on this station has not transferred to Titan at this point. Yet. The Doctor, Clara, and Nagata book it from the rescue ship. He sets off a self-destruct on the ship, on, on, the, uh, on the space station. That's the word I was looking for. And they make it back to the TARDIS. The, the self-destruct was actually on the uh, the gravity shield. Yes, the gravity shield. So, so that the station will fall. So it could not be turned Neptune. back on. Right. And so it'll fall into Neptune. The Doctor 
Clara and Nagata are able to make it onto the TARDIS and leave before, you know, the station collapses into, you know, Neptune. But he does not understand what this was all for. He can't figure out what all this was about, why this was going on, and it's driving him nuts. The TARDIS departs, and we still have some more of the episode left. We cut back to Rasmussen. And obviously he's mm-hmm. recording this as the station is falling because of the way it's shaking and uh, the way lights are blinking in the back. And, and and he reveals during this... Oh, we forgot final... We forgot to tell that he was shot while they were leaving. Yeah, yeah he was supposed to have been shot. Appeared to be dead. Yes, he appeared to be dead, and then they escape in the TARDIS, and we cut back to Rasmussen sitting up. Yeah. What's going on? Talking. Why are you talking? Why are you still alive? Why are you wrapping this up and telling us that this is all going according to your plan? Because you actually want us to watch this video, and it's not actually about the Morpheus machines, period. It's about the video. What's Your plan is... What? <laughs> And then he rubbed his eye and... proceeding as I have foreseen. Right. (laughs) Right. And then he rubs his eye and it starts dissolving into sand. Wait, you're a sand man the whole time? Yeah, he rubs his eye and his eye pops out. (laughs) And then as the gravity shield continues to, you know no longer work and he falls deeper and deeper into the gravity of Neptune and he's pulled apart his voice gets lower and lower and lower and lower as he speaks right and <laughs> he he says that the electrical signal that is the at the core of the Morpheus machines is actually now transmitted into this video yeah and this video you will share this video with your friends and your family won't you won't you? <laughs> and then it just sort of cuts, and that's the end of the episode. Dude. <laughs> the question is, are we the only ones that saw this video, or did he actually get it out into the galaxy? <laughs> and we have no follow-up with the Doctor and Clara. Oh, and this is the point where he said, you have something there in the corner of your eye. <laughs> and everyone starts rubbing their eyes like, oh my god oh my god oh my god he says that right before his face melts off and his voice goes really low <laughs> and so we got sandy eye boogers trying to take over the world with a viral video <laughs> Only Doctor Who would think up this storyline. <laughs> well, now see, here's this is where some of the speculation comes in, um, because I think that he had multiple plans in place just mm-hmm. in case something didn't work in his favor. I think the video was his backup plan. Okay. If he wasn't able to get the Morpheus machine off the station and take it to the planet, I think that 
he had more than one plan in place just to make sure that somehow or another he succeeded. Um, it's possible. It's entirely possible. Now, I do know this. He had a Sandman in the box that he was going to send to the planet. Yeah. Basically disguised as just regular sand. And he he was going to go back with it. Right. But he was a Sandman. See, now, he... I think that there was some truth in what he was talking about as well. I don't think the Sandman that he had in the box was the actual patient, patient zero, per se. I think he might have been... I think so, too. Patient zero. And I think he was telling... Who hasn't slept for five years. Yeah, I think he was telling the truth as far as that part went, but I think he was covering the fact that he was the actual patient zero and that he was basically the father of all these Sandmen, for lack of a better term. That's just my thoughts on it. That's entirely possible. I think that's the reason why he retained his human form is because of the fact that he basically transformed into a Sandman from the inside from the inside out wow yeah i could believe it i believe it i mean it, um, it's just speculation there's no proof but it makes sense when it, when you it does make it sense from that standpoint it does make sense now question is this the last that we've seen of the walking eye books i don't think so oh dear <laughs> i don't know how i feel about that because there were elements that were really creepy, and there were elements that were kind of cheesy. See, which is traditional Doctor Who fare. I think um, that this was the origin story for a new Doctor Who monster. Okay. Um, I, I don't think this was just a one-time standalone thing. And I could be completely wrong with that. But, I mean, let's be honest. When they first came out with the Daleks... Do you think they really and truly plan to have a bunch of follow-up episodes, you know, following that? Or do you think they just intended to have a one-off that turned into the greatness that we now know as the Daleks, you know? Hmm. Right. Um, so, I mean, when you look at it from that standpoint, they left the story open at the end for more than one thing to be able to happen in this thing. Now, end, end is a kind term. For this episode because <laughs> it just sort of stopped well it didn't really like one of the things that i noticed online is that there were some people saying they didn't like the way it ended because they didn't think there was any resolution to it well there and there wasn't um, but that's sort of the point the point was that was kind of my point too though is that's why i see this as intentionally being done as an origin story for a new doctor who monster okay uh, because I don't think there was an intended resolution for that reason. Uh, okay. And I th honestly think that the leader of the Sandmen, who, of course, we saw, you know, falling to a pile of sand at the end of it, can probably just reincorporate himself and come back. So we may see... Gig and Rasmussen, aka Sandy Number One, and I think again. I think that would be kind of cool, actually, hmm. because he would be another Davros-like character, right. not to the extent of 
you know, looking monstrous per se, like Davros does. Um, but as the father of a of an, monstrous race. Exactly. Okay. I think that'd be really cool. Interesting. It is quite the theory, and only time will tell. Which is a funny <laughs> thing to say when you're talking about Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> if that theory is borne out. Who? Sleep on it so... and tell me what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Now it's time to to rate this episode. I want to know what you think. How many how many eye boogers would you give this episode? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nice. Out of out of ten. Out of out of ten. Uh, well, I know what it was rated on IMDb, but um. What was it rated? Like a 7.7. 7. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I would say because of the weirdness of how it was put together and everything and the fact that I had to watch it twice to be able to really grasp everything that was going on, I, I did, even though I really liked it, I'm going to say that I would maybe give it a 7, maybe. You know, okay. I, if it wasn't something that I had to watch twice just to catch all of it, I probably would have given it a higher number. But uh, I'm I'm going to be generous and give it a seven. Okay. I I like the found footage element because it was done in a way that I was able to follow personally. Um, it wasn't too shaky and too extreme. The te- the tension of the episode was extremely well done. Exactly. The tension was amazing. And the very sort of choppy, out-of-sync storytelling that... That only added to that. It, it added to it, and it was very much a, a, an ethereal sort of elemental tension that you just sort of got wrapped up into. It was very... That was very good. But still, there's this this weird sticking point of the fact that the main monster is a glorified eye booger. <laughs> and I just don't... Well, it's very weird I, to wrap my brain around that. And I think if, if the doctor... not Well, not the doctor, but the professor. I think if the professor was, was explaining it mm-hmm. and explaining that he actually created these things... I think he would have a lot more technical way of, of going about explaining it. Oh, I'm sure. Um, um, but but I'm, I'm, I'm saying this for effect, obviously. But I'm, but... I'm thinking that the doctor, of course, he does his little tests and stuff to find out what these things are comprised of. But I'm thinking that this was something that wasn't necessarily created by... A quote unquote eye booger in your eye, but it was ra- rather something that was extracted from the human body that incorporated itself together to make the same kind of compound that you would find in that, if right. that makes sense. Well, if you're basically getting a month's worth of sleep in five minutes, mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to be extracting something out of your eyes, uh, you know. <laughs> 
know. Well, there were a lot of tubes and stuff attached to Clara when she got out of that machine, too. Right. So it kind of makes you wonder what is it doing to her body. (laughs) You know. I don't want to think about that. But, yeah, anyway, getting back to my my rating. (laughs) Sorry. No, it's. (laughs) Oh, man. This is a difficult one for me to rate. <laughs> it's a really difficult one because well, there's some elements of this that were really good. I'm being generous when I say seven because of the elements that were really good. You know. Yeah, there were some elements that were really good. Other elements that were just plain bizarre. Right. And then some that were just sort of like, eh. But you know, one of the so things I, I, I think... liked about it though is the fact that they were so bizarre. Right. <laughs> and bizar- bizarre isn't necessarily bad. <laughs> It's just bizarre. <laughs> I I okay, had this rating on, earlier. It. Come on, you gotta rate it. <laughs> I, I had this rating earlier. I was thinking about changing it, but I, I think I'm just gonna stick with my original idea and I'm going to rate it six and a half. Just because I mean, I don't think it was a bad episode. No, I think it was a good episode. I'm I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna say, you know, sit here like like some people I've seen some people online say it's the worst episode of New Who, period. I've seen some people say that online, and I'm not going to go that I'm far. I'm going to go as far as to say I think it's the worst episode of this season so far, but that's because everything's been so great so far, you know? Right. I, I, think, <laughs> I, think, I, may, I think I may agree with you on that. But, but I still think it's a good episode. It is. It has elements of it that, are, that make it a very engaging episode. And so it's definitely something that if you're just looking to, like, really shake someone up mm-hmm. and give them just some... Uh, a a, a tension filled ride I think it's a good episode Mm -hmm. but as far as overall yeah I'm going to have to stick with the six and a half I'm I'm not saying it's bad but I'm just saying because it was so bizarre you have to be in the right frame of mind to watch it the casual viewer though is not necessarily going to pick up on some of the same things that you or I might have picked up on and so that might be one of the reasons why they think it's uh, in, in quite inferior episode is because they were looking completely at the surface and nothing else. And mm-hmm. that could be somewhat confusing, especially to somebody who's not a diehard, you know, who watcher. But when you start breaking it down and looking at the pieces of it and putting the puzzle pieces together, like what we're trying to do now and start looking at it on a deeper level you can start seeing just how good the story was actually put together, you know? Right. And hopefully, hopefully we've given some of you listeners uh, pause to think about some of these things and consider some of this and maybe, maybe revisit it. But yeah, I did have to watch like you. I had to watch it a second time to really catch all this stuff. So yeah, I'm going to give it a six and a half. You gave it a seven. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, compared to the tens that we were giving last episode, you know, <laughs> it definitely fell off the mark a bit. But it but... doesn't make it a bad story or a bad episode. It just no. means that it's a lot harder for people to follow. And, you know, the fact that it was just... <sighs> okay. If we're taking the entire season this far, mm-hmm. this would be... Now, I'm not going to say an inferior episode to all the rest of them, but just not as easy to follow for, like I said, the casual viewer and things like that, which is 
makes it inherently a lower rating for me, you know, because it's harder for people to 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 latch onto. Right. Know. One of the things I'm liking about this series so far, this season so far, is the different risks and experiments that they're taking. Mm-hmm. Because they've done a whole bunch of different things. They've taken a lot of risks. They've done a lot of experimenting with styles and with elements throwing in. I mean, getting rid of the sonic screwdriver, for right. one thing. Introducing the fact that the Doctor plays electric guitar. Uh, doing these different styles of episodes. Right. It's really unique and experimental and different. And I like that, that, that they're taking risks. You know something I wish they would have done, though? And I... Hmm. I picked up on this uh, yesterday, I think. You remember the episode we talked about, the, the bootstrap paradox? Yes. You remember how the doctor was speaking to the camera in first person? Oh. How, how, cool, how cool would it have been if they'd taken those two episodes and put them immediately following this one? Oh, <laughs> so that we're Clara. so we're looking through Clara's eyes <laughs> while the doctor's talking to her about the bootstrap paradox. <laughs> Who really wrote Beethoven's Fifth? I think that would have been really cool if they had just taken that two-part story arc and just moved it to this to to right after this. You see what I'm saying? Now. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to need time to digest that. Okay. <laughs> because that would have given it an entirely different context. It would have. No. It would have. <laughs> All right. Well, all right. Next week, we're going to be back discussing another episode of Doctor Who, our, our second and final standalone episode of the series of this season um face the raven which sees not only the return of Maisie williams character lady me or shielder or whatever she's going by nowadays uh but also sees the return of uh last season guest star uh, guest star rigsy uh he's coming back he was in uh the episode with the boneless uh flatline which I think was was one of the high points for me last season. Um, so we'll see what that all entails. And and this is where Paul and I have been theorizing that Clara leaves. I I some of the believing that she might not be back after this episode. And some of the trailers for this episode may be leaning in that direction. Right. So. We will see what happens, Um, and obviously after that episode airs, we want your thoughts on Face the Raven. Uh, Before we... uh, Anything else about that? I I almost wonder if the events of this episode might have some kind of bearing on the next episode, because we might find out that the Doctor was not able to fix her. You know? We will see. Um, We will see. Before we wrap up this episode, we do want to give you a quick reminder again about the thunderquack patreon contest if you go to patreon.com slash thunderquack and uh, support the network at a dollar a month or more you will be eligible for the drawing of our our december prize pack 
basically. Uh, which one of the prizes is going to be a $25 Amazon gift card. So, well, I mean, look at it this way. If you, if you donate a dollar a month for 12 months and then you win this prize pack, just that one thing has already doubled your money. Go ahead and, and check that out. If you, if you feel so inclined, we would definitely appreciate it. Any final thoughts, final, final thoughts on this episode before we wrap up, Paul, I think I'm going to go back and watch it again. <laughs> I I really do. I I I'll let you do every that. time that I've every time that I watch it, I find something new about it that makes me like it even more. And so I'm thinking by the time I've watched it three or four times, it might be right up there with some of the others for me. You know. Okay. Cool. Well, we'll definitely revisit that when we do our series nine wrap up show. Because <laughs> you know that's coming. Um, okay. Uh, I believe that wraps up. Oh, of course, I have to give all the information about where you can reach us. Uh, we're like awesome. Said, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and like I said, we, we will want your thoughts on next week's episode, Face the Raven. Uh, so you can go ahead and do that on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Talking Time Lords. You can tweet us at, at Talking Time Lord or email us at Talking Time Lords at gmail.com. Of course, our home on the internet, which has all of our past episodes, is TalkingTimeLords.com. So, uh, and of course, ThunderQuack.com is going to be the home for our network. And you can find links to that from our website as well. Anything else, Paul, before we say goodnight? And of course, <laughs> you will share this podcast with your family and your friends, won't you? You've got something there in the corner of your ear. <laughs> <laughs> it's an ear bugger. <laughs> Earwax monsters. That's what's next. Oh, that would be even grosser. Oh, yes. Nasty. Yes, it would. <laughs> and on that note, I think that will wrap up this episode of Talking Time Wars before we cause the audience to vomit. This has been... Episode number 24. Hey, well, at least, at least I didn't Sandman. spit on my monitor to this episode. <laughs> this has been episode number 24, Enter Sandman. And for Paul, I'm Jason. And remember, until next time, <laughs> may you hope far flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts. Or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Give him the word that I'm not a rover Then tell him that his lonesome nights are over Sandman, I'm so alone Don't have nobody to call my own Please turn on your magic beam Oh, Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream Bum, 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 b
Has to be the tag at the end. 